It seems like a year since I have been here, uh, but it's only been, what, three weeks? Um, we, it, we will be in Genesis chapter number 32 this morning. <clears throat> to recap a little bit, in chapter 31, uh, we saw uh, Jacob's return uh, to Canaan. So he left uh, his father-in-law uh, in Haran, uh, Laban, and uh, Laban was out uh, shearing sheep. And Jacob took that opportunity to flee, and he packed up his wives and his children and all his goods and took off. And it was two days later when Laban found out. Uh, so Laban and his men hotly pursued after Jacob and ended up catching up with him seven days later. Um, and uh, he uh, argues with Jacob about why have you done this, why have you stolen away and taken my daughters and all that. So Jacob told him that he thought that uh, he would not let him uh, have his daughter, his wives, his, Jacob's daughters, and uh, I mean Laban's daughters. So then uh, God told Laban not to say anything uh, harmful or do anything to Jacob because he was under his protection. Uh, so Laban and Jacob uh, ultimately made a pact together and made a covenant that they wouldn't ever harm each other. Uh, oh, and also Rachel had stolen uh, her father Laban's idols uh, and he came searching for them and they did not find them. He didn't find them because Rachel was actually sitting on them in her tent and therefore kept her father from finding them. So that's where we find ourselves uh, in uh, at the end of verse 31. So now we'll pick up in verse uh, 1 of chapter 32. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of the place <clears throat> Mahanim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent <clears throat> to tell my lord <clears throat> that I may find grace in the sight, in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau. And also he com commandeth to meet, and he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. So Jacob now is going to go back and reconcile uh, with Esau. Now he didn't necessarily choose this. God spoke to Jacob in chapter 31 and told him, get out of this country and go back uh, to the land of Canaan. So he wants Jacob to go back to the promised land, the land that he promised uh, to give Jacob and all of his descendants. <clears throat> so Jacob now is on his way back. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So Jacob obeyed God, uh, went back to Canaan. God sent two angels to meet him. Uh, and we got to remember, as long as we're obedient and stay in God's will, uh, he will get, we will have God's protection. However, when we remove ourselves from where God wants us to be, 
We will also remove ourselves from his protective care. Uh, that He named the place uh, Mahanium, which means two hosts or two camps. Um, Adam Clark, I've got a quote here in the notes from Adam Clark. All the angels, even those of the highest order, are employed by their creator to serve those who believe in Jesus Christ. What these services are and how performed, it would be impossible to state much has been written on the subject, partly founded on scripture and partly on conjecture. They are no doubt constantly <clears throat> employed in averting evil and pronouncing good. If God help man by man, we need no one, not wonder that he helps man by angels. We know that he needs none of those helps for he can do all things himself. Thank you. Yet it seems agreeable to his infinite wisdom and goodness to use them. So God uses angels, and uh, he still uses angels today. Psalms 34, 7 says, The angel Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalms 91, 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. <clears throat> so then we see that uh, Jacob is going back uh, to reconcile. There's a couple of really interesting things uh, in uh, starting there in verse number three. He sent messengers back to Esau. He commanded them saying, thus speak ye to my Lord Esau. So he is calling Esau his Lord. So if you remember, he tricked, uh, he, he tricked, he didn't really trick Esau, but he cheated Esau out of his birthright with a pot of stew. So Esau came in and he said, sell me your birthright. And Esau didn't care about his birthright, so he sold the birthright. But then the thing that really, really put, drove a wedge between Jacob and Esau was that uh, <clears throat> Isaac thought that he was going to die. And he told Esau, who was his favorite, to go out and hunt and get him some venison and prepare it for him so that he could bless him. So while Esau was gone, uh, Rachel, uh, I mean, Rebecca, uh, had a uh, idea, and she had Jacob uh, dress up in Esau's clothes, and she fixed uh, food uh, for Isaac the way he likes it. And Jacob went in, and he had sheepskins on his hands and on the back of his neck because Esau was a real hairy man, and he tricked his father into giving him the blessing that Isaac had meant for Esau. So at that point, Esau... Uh, vowed that he would kill Jacob as soon as his father died, that he would kill Jacob. Well, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but what happened was is Esau got better. So, he, I mean, Jacob, uh, shoot. Isaac got better and didn't die. So Isaac is still alive even now. Uh, and uh, Jacob ran uh, to keep from being killed by Esau, and he has now been uh, in the land of Haran with Laban, his father-in-law, for the past 20 years. So now Jacob is sending him back, and he's saying that, tell my Lord Esau. So he's calling Esau his Lord. So he is putting Esau in a position of authority over himself. Uh, he's doing that to appease him. He, he doesn't want to come back and make Esau think that he's going to try to lord over him. Um, and then in verse number five, he tells him basically that he's been very prosperous. Uh, and, he, and he also says, tell my Lord, 
and then he says, uh, calls himself Esau's servant. In verse four, he says, tell my Lord Esau, thy servant Jacob says thus. So he's telling Esau, look, I acknowledge you as my older brother. I acknowledge you as my Lord, and I acknowledge myself as your servant. So the messengers go and tell Esau, and Esau gets 400 men. to Put yourself in Jacob's shoes. You're nervous about seeing your brother. You hadn't seen him in 20 years. He, the last time you saw him, he vowed to kill you. And now the servants come back and tell him, oh, Esau's coming to meet you and he's bringing 400 men with him. Yeah. <laughs> he says, uh-oh, <laughs> that's not good. Then verse 7, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. I would be too. And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands and said, if Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. So basically he takes all his wives, all his children, all his flocks and herds and separates them into two groups and says if Esau finds one group, he can kill all them, the others will get away. So some of them will survive. So he separates uh, his people. Uh, and we're going to see later on how he separates them, but we won't see that uh, here in this chapter. We'll see it in chapter 33. Uh, verse number nine, and Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant, for with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. Now, some, sometimes people uh, will look at a verse like this and they will take it as um, a bad thing. So basically what Jacob is doing is he's reminding God God, I'm in this shape because you told me <laughs> to go back to Canaan. And he says, I'm doing this under obedience to you. You said do this, and I'm doing this. He said, I'm afraid of my brother. Deliver me from the hands of my brother that he not kill me and all the women and all the children. People say, well, who do you think Jacob is reminding God of what he said? Well, that's, it, 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 it's okay, it's something that we should do, and it's, it's something that he should do, it's something we should do today, right? If, if we're in a hardship, right, and we pray, we can pray and we can say, God, you said that if we come unto you, bring our, our, our heavy burden to you, that you would take it off. And God, I'm trusting in what you said. See what I'm saying? That's basically what Jacob is saying. He's saying, God, this is what you said, I'm trusting in what you said, and I'm trusting that you will perform what you said that you would do, right? So God said in his word that if any sick among you, let him come uh, before the church and be anointed with oil, and they pray over, over them, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Well, whenever we do that, uh, I personally always, in the prayer, when we're praying over the person that we've anointed, 
I pray and I say, God, you said for us to do this. And I'm, we're doing this, and I'm putting my faith and trust in you that you will uphold your word. I'm not, I don't have to remind God, but what I'm doing is, is helping myself remember this is what God said for us to do. Because it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick, not the anointing of the oil. So if I don't have the faith when I'm praying, then that person, it's all null and void. So what Jacob is doing here is he's reassuring himself that this is what God told me to do. And basically, he's kind of also given God a chance to say, uh, no, Jacob, I want you to do something else. I, w I want you to flee now or whatever. But God, that, that's, that's what Jacob was doing. So some people take look at this and and think that Jacob is overstepping, uh, trying to tell God what he said. But really, what we, what we all need to do is remind ourselves what God said and then trust in that. So look at Jacob's method of reconciliation. So there's several things that he did, and we can use this as an example when we reconcile with our Christian brothers and sisters or even with family or friends or whatever. So first of all, there in verse number one and two, he moved toward the offended. Jacob did not say, well, I'm just going to stay in Haran until Esau comes and apologizes to me. Is that not what we do, right? Two people get into an argument. They have a little tiff, and both of them were both too proud and too arrogant to go apologize Everybody, both people are waiting on the other person to come and say they're sorry. And then they, they have hard feelings for years and years. I've known brothers and sisters that haven't spoken for 15 or 20 years because they're both waiting on the other person to come and apologize. But what God tells us to do is that if we have, if in, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and remember that thy brother had ought against thee, leave thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. So God says, you, no, as a Christian, we don't wait for people to come to us, we go to them. So that's what Jacob is doing right here. So Jacob's given an example of what uh, was written for us, in Matthew chapter number 5. So he went to the offended. Now, why was he going? Well, because God told him to, right? But he was doing it. And then we see in verse 3 down through verse number 8 that he sent messengers to the offended. It's important for us to make sure that the offended person knows our intentions. If we do not somehow send word that we want to reconcile prior to meeting with them, they may perceive our moving toward them as aggression. Jacob wanted to make sure that Esau knew he was not coming to fight, but to reconcile. Now, in this day, we don't necessarily have to send messengers, right? We can send them an email. We can send them a text. Hey, I want to meet with you. I want to reconcile with you. We can let them know why we're wanting to meet with them. If we just show up at their house and start knocking on the door, they're going to think, all right, he, he's here to fight, and they're going to come to the door ready to fight. So... <clears throat> Jacob made sure that Esau knew that his intentions were good. And then in verse number 9 through 12, he prayed. Uh, and <clears throat> he prayed for the purpose of God there in verse 9. He wanted to make sure he was in God's will. He prayed for the providence of God in verse 10. Jacob was uh, reflecting that everything he had was because of God's care and his grace. He prayed for the protection of God in verse number 11. He knew that Esau was capable. He knew what Esau was capable of doing. 
and he admitted his fear, uh, and he prayed for the promise in verse 12. Uh, Arthur Pearson said, we are, to ar- we are to argue with God, we are to argue our case with God, not indeed to convince him, but to convince ourselves. And then we see in verse 13 down through verse number 21 that he gave gifts. Uh, verse 13 <clears throat> And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. Now listen to to what he was going to give his brother. 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milch camels with their colts, 40 kine and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses and 10 foals. And he delivered them into the hand of his servant, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. Now, let's stop right there. Let's go over what he was giving him. Okay? So, he had 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats. That was in the first drove. The second drove was 200 ewes or sheep and 20 rams. So, you had to have... uh, if you just gave somebody 200 she-goats, well, they've got 200 she-goats, right? So we understand that the point of having goats is so that you can have more goats, right? So you need the males. So he sent 20 he-goats, and he sent 20 uh, male sheep, rams. Uh, he sent 30 milch camels with their colts. Milch camels means they are, they're nursing their young. So these were uh, small, uh, you know, newborn camels. Uh, then in drove number four, there was 40 kine, which is plural for cow. Uh, we say cows, but then they said kine. And then 10 bulls, and then 20 donkeys, and 10 foals. Uh, so Jacob was offering Esau a total of 580 animals. He was concerned, <laughs> to say the least. God's word teaches us restoration should be made to the individuals that have been wronged, but how do we judge the level of restitution when the damage done is on an emotional level? So it's easy to to know restitution. If I damage somebody's property, how do I make restitution? I pay for the damage, right? I make it, I make it, I make that person whole. Okay. Uh, but what do we how do we do it when it's on an emotional level? Because he didn't he didn't steal herds from Esau. He, he tricked and stole the blessing. Uh, and hurt Esau on an emotional level. Um, Now, this is my opinion, and when I say my opinion, I usually say it's teriology, so this is not scripture. In my opinion, we should think about what is fair and what is right, and then we should double it. Give the person an opportunity to say, no, that's too much, keep half of it, or no, but we should make restitution. Uh, so if we hurt somebody on an emotional level, on a physical level, we should do something for them. Now, what a lot of people will do, uh, and I think this is more of a man thing uh, than a woman thing, uh, what we will do is when two men get into an argument or have a falling out, they typically will not say I'm sorry when they make up. That's, that's not what we do, right? Because we're too proud and boastful. We, we're not going to say, I'm sorry. But what we'll do is we'll go out of our way to do something really good for the other person, and that other person 
as a man, he understands that's my way of saying I'm sorry. And when he accepts it, I understand that that's his way of saying I forgive you. And then we just start talking again and our friendship is restored, right? And if you women didn't know that, that's how us men think. <laughs> that's how we do it, right? If I, if I do something for you, uh, so if, if my neighbor and I got into an argument and then he came home one day and I had mowed his yard, that's me saying I'm sorry because I did something for you. I mowed your yard, right? And then he would say, thanks for mowing my yard, and, and we would, I would never have to say I'm sorry. He would never have to say I forgive you. We wouldn't have to hug and kiss. <laughs> we wouldn't have to go through all that mushiness. It would just be water under the bridge now. That's how us crazy men think, women. You all, you know, you want somebody to say I'm sorry. You want to say I forgive you. We, 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 we bypass all that emotional stuff we go straight to the making restitution uh but that's that's what uh jacob was doing here is he was he was telling esau i'm not only sorry i'm really 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 sorry okay he's, he's giving him uh 580 animals all right so let's pick up there in um verse number 16 he told him uh to make a space between the droves and he commanded the foremost, the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, meeteth thee, and askest thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither thou goest, and whose are all these before thee, thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. Once again, he's calling himself Esau's servant. He says, They're my, thy servant Jacob. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. And so commanded he the second and the third and all that followed in droves, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. And say ye moreover, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterward I will see his face. Preadventure he will accept me. So all these droves, he, he's got five groups going to go out in front and Jake or Esau is going to meet each one of these groups one at a time and they're all going to say the same thing. This is from your servant Jacob to his Lord Esau as a gift to appease thee, right? So Esau is going to see five different groups before he ever gets to Jacob and Jacob is saying, listen, I'm going to soften his heart up before he gets here so that he doesn't kill me and all that I have. Um, verse 21 and so went the present over before him and himself lodged that night in the company and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over <clears throat> that he had and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled with a man, uh, wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. Now, this uh, Ford Jabbok here, uh, a ford is a crossing place. Uh, it, it's used, a ford is, is used as a, a word for a crossing place for a river. For a mountain, we would say it's a mountain pass. So it's a, it's a place to cross over the mountain through the pass. 
this, a ford is a crossing place for a river, and Jabbok is a river in East Jordan. So when they say the ford Jabbok, he's saying the crossing place of the river, which was probably a shallow spot where you could cross without uh, any harm coming uh, to you or uh, to your <clears throat> um, possessions. So Jacob now was left alone in verse 24, and uh, he, uh, <clears throat> there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, uh, so sometimes this can get a little confusing. It says he and him. And when he, the person that was wrestling Jacob, saw that he prevailed not against him, prevailed not against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And then Jacob said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So there is uh, some debate over who Jacob wrestled with here. Okay? Some people say it was an angel. Uh, some people say it was Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I personally believe that it was Jesus himself. Uh, people say, well, wait, Jesus hadn't been born yet. How could he have a physical body? Well, an angel had never been born. How can they have a physical body, right? Jesus is God, and he can, he can reveal himself in any way that he wants to. Uh, but Jacob believed that it was God, uh, that it was Christ, because he named the place um, <clears throat> Peniel, which means face-to-face uh, -face with God. So he believed that he was wrestling with God. And here you got Jacob. Jacob, he got he 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 bought the birthright of Esau with a pot of stew. Then he tricked Isaac into blessing him and giving him Esau's blessing, right? And God, uh, whenever he left there, he met God, uh, and God told him that's when he gave him. Uh, the blessing or the promise, the covenant that he gave to um, Abraham and Isaac. And he's saying, now, Jacob, this is yours. And that's when he goes on down to Haran uh, and lives down there for 20 years. So uh, here we see that uh, Jacob now has been prosperous. But what does he do? He's wrestling with God. And, you know, one of the commentators said that uh, God here that was resting with Jacob said, let me go for the day's dawning, that basically they said that meant to them that uh, Jesus did not want the sun to rise so that Jacob could see him, right? Uh, that's conjecture, okay? That's not in Scripture the reason why, but we are told that the uh, person that Jacob wrestled with 
needed to be gone before the sun rose. Now, he dislocated Jacob's hip. Once Jacob's hip was dislocated, they continued to wrestle. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, people say, well, if this is God that he's wrestling with, how in the world could he force God to give him a blessing? Well, we should have the same attitude. We should pray and we say, God, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask until you bless me. I'm going, to, I'm going to continue to read my Bible until you bless me. I'm going to continue to live for you until you bless me. Because God said that if we did those things, he would bless us. So Jacob is saying, I want a blessing. We need to have a desire for the blessings of God, just like Jacob did, that we will wrestle with God even with a dislocated hip. That we need to desire the blessings of God. Too many Christians go through life without the blessings of God because we don't feel like we need God's blessings. Yet, we're living in God's blessings. Right? So, if God blesses us with a good job, we may not be rich, but we have enough money, we have a nice home, a nice car, we're able to make ends meet. A lot of times we take that stuff for granted. I have to remind myself, I, I work for a company, okay? I've been with this company for 23 years. I, I'm very appreciative of my job uh, because technically when they hired me, I did not meet the hiring requirements, but they hired me anyway. I'm just a country boy from East Tennessee, and I'm in meeting rooms with people with PhDs, and they're asking me what I think. Sometimes I feel really out of place, right? But God has placed me there. I know that I have my job because God made it happen. I know that I have moved up through the company and gotten raises and promotions because of the blessings of God. I know that it's not anything of myself. So every dime that I have to my name today is because of the blessings of God. And sometimes as Christians, we forget that. We, we, we count on ourselves, we count on our riches, we count on the possessions we have, and sometimes we miss the fact that every single thing that we possess is because God has blessed us with it. So Jacob here, he says, not only, listen, you've blessed, Jacob didn't say, you, Lord, you have blessed me so much, I don't need any more blessings. He said, God, I want you to bless me some more. And that's what we need. And I'm not talking about wealth and prosperity. I'm talking about we need to seek the blessings of God on our lives because it's only through God's blessings that we then turn can bless other people. What a great tool to be used of God to allow God to give us something that we in turn can give somebody else that needs it, whether it be a spoken word, whether it be a gift of money, or whether it be something else. We should be looking to take the blessings that God has given us and share those with other people that need it. What a great thing. Wouldn't that be great? But here's, here's what a lot of people don't understand. When we take the blessings of God and we hoard them up and we say, I'm not paying my tithes. I'm not going to give any money to the church. I'm not going to, I'm not going to help the youth group uh, go to camp. I'm not going to do other. I'm, I'm not going to help somebody that needs help. Uh, you know, I see my neighbor. I see my brother. I see my sister. I see my cousin in need. But I have, I have money in the bank, but I'm not going to share it with them. I'm not going to do all that. You see, when we hoard those blessings up, God will turn the blessings off. 
The only way that we can continue to get the blessings of God, number one, is to ask for them. And we should ask for the blessings of God. That's a, God wants us to ask for his blessing, and then we need to be obedient and share those blessings with other people. God will speak to us and tell us, but sometimes it's human. It's, 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 human. it's what we are, right? We want to say, oh, no, if, if I give my money away, how am I going to, how am I, I got to save that for a rainy day. What if something happens? Well, you know something? If something happens, God will be there when something happens. <laughs> and God will have somebody else be able to help us when something happens. I remember when my wife and I first got married. I, I will never, ever forget this, okay? Because, you know, when you're young, you grow up and you don't think about how to pay bills. You don't think about why, where we get food, it's in the cabinet, it's in the refrigerator, right? All my life, I went to the refrigerator, there was something to eat. There was something in the cabinets, okay? Uh, not a whole lot, because we grew up, you know, kind of poor, but I never had to, I never had to, uh, God bless us enough that I never went through a day and never had a meal, right? I always had something to eat. Well, when my wife and I first got married, uh, we rented uh, this little uh, single-wide trailer. We moved our stuff in, and for some reason, just out of habit, I wanted something to eat. And I walked over to the refrigerator, and I opened it up, and it was empty. <laughs> there was no, That's the first time in my life that I had ever seen an empty refrigerator. <laughs> it was empty. I'm like, oh, man, me and my new wife are going to have to go buy some food or something because <laughs> there is nothing here. So... That was uh, on a Wednesday, and I went to church Wednesday night. I wasn't thinking about asking for anything, and uh, one of the men of the church that was standing there, uh, he said, hey, how'd you like the new place? And I told him, I thought it was funny. You know, I, first time I went and opened the refrigerator, and it was empty. I said, we got to go to the grocery store. He said, no, wait a minute. He goes, come with me. So we went down this little hallway. We went to this door. He opened up this door. I didn't even know, I, I, I was a member of this church, I didn't even know we had it. There was a huge food room. He said, get whatever you all need. I was like, you think that's not a blessing from God? I just had to pay a deposit, first and last month's rent. I didn't have money. If we'd have went, if we'd have went to the store, we might have bought like, you know, a loaf of bread and, you know, some ham or some peanut butter. But probably would have been all we could afford. But God just opened up a door and said, get whatever you want. Fill up your cabinets. Fill it up. I will never forget that. I didn't ask God for anything. I wasn't expecting God to give it. But you know what? That's what my God does. My God blesses me even when I don't expect it, I don't ask for it, and I don't even know it's coming. You ever done that for your kids? Got them something special. It's not their birthday. It's not Christmas. You just got them something special. They didn't expect it. They didn't ask for it. They didn't know it was coming. And dad or mom comes home from work and then gives them something they've been wanting for a while, and they're thrilled. And what, what, what is in our heart when we do that? Oh, they're going to like this. They're going to love this. It's going to make their day. And we give it to them, and the joy on their face and they hug us and they thank us and they tell us they love us, that's worth every penny that we pay. 
That's exactly how God feels. God says, I've got something special for Aaron. Next week, I'm going to give Aaron something special. He's not expecting it, but I've got something for Aaron. I'm going to bless him with something that he's wanted for a long time and is not expecting, and then Aaron's going to be surprised. <gasps> what? What? But how many times do, does God surprise us with something and we don't even say thank you? If you surprised your kid with something special and they just go, okay, they didn't say thank you, they didn't appreciate it, you ever going to surprise them with something else again? Probably not. So God surprises us with stuff. And so God here is going to take care of Jacob. All right. Uh, Jacob was left alone. He wrestled and he said, bless me, bless me. Don't you dare leave before you bless me. Um, and uh, he asked him his name and he said, why do you ask my name? He said, why are you asking my name, Jacob? Basically saying, you know exactly who I am. And Jacob called to the, at verse 30, the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Now, what in the world does all that mean? Okay. If you look in the notes, um, because of this incident, the Jews have avoided eating the sinew or the sciatic nerve of the hindquarters of animals. I looked on WebMD. The sciatic nerve is the longest nerve in our body. It starts in our lower back and splits to run through your hips, uh, buttocks, legs, and feet on both sides. So basically, Jacob was in quite a bit of pain here. He was limping. Uh, people may not have known what happened, but they knew something happened. Because God touched him, and he was limping. And I will take that and say, people, and when we meet with God and God touches us, people will know something happened. You will not be yourself. You will walk differently. You will talk differently. We will act differently. When we get a touch from God, you cannot hide it. Jacob could not hide the fact that God touched him because he was limping because his hip was out of joint. Now, I'm not saying God will give us pain like he did here, but if God blesses us, if we meet with God on a spiritual realm, people will see a difference in us uh, and in the way we act and talk. I'm going to read a quote here from uh, Charles, Charles Ryrie. God allowed himself to be overcome by Jacob, though he crippled him, whether temporarily or for the rest of his life is not stated. His limp, however, was proof that it was no mere dream. The Lord wanted to depart before daylight, lest Jacob see him, but Jacob insisted on being blessed first. Now, he changed his name to Israel, and Israel means he will rule with God, because he said that you're like a prince. Um, so he said that uh, your name is going to be changed because you are like a prince, that you have power with God and with men. Uh, so basically, a prince is the son of the king. So he said that you, he identified Jacob here as his son uh, and God as his father uh, and that 
He is a prince that has power with God and men. All right, so we will go ahead and wrap up right there, and we will pick up in chapter 33 next week.